Get personal with loyalty, where we're discussing using loyalty to deliver personalized, relevant customer experiences. I am your host, Erin Reese, and today I'm here with Sandra Gooday. Sandra is the CEO of Customer Communications Group and the Editor-in-Chief of Customer.com. Sandra leads a full-service, multi-million dollar consultancy serving a Fortune five, oh, sorry, Fortune 2000 clientele where she and her team help clients leverage data to build and retain loyal customer relationships. Over the last 30 years, Sandra has personally designed loyalty programs for nearly 100 retailers. Clients have included Petco, Kohl's, Ulta Beauty, and many more. Sandra believes understanding your customer is non-negotiable. Customers have unlimited options and organizations have finite opportunities to effectively engage them. With more than three decades of experience, Sandra has a unique view of best practices and is a trusted advisor to clients and the boards on which she has served. She is a frequent contributor to retail publications and a noted speaker at national conferences. Welcome, Sandra. Hi, thanks, Erin. So, Sandra, as I was thinking about having this uh, conversation with you today, and I'm super excited about it, I was thinking back to when I first met you, and I think it's almost been it's almost been 20 years. It's definitely like We're gonna ourselves, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <It's been a> <laughs> <long>. <laughs> um, but you were so well established already. You were um, running this organization. You had so many wonderful clients. Uh, it was just you know in awe of, of what you had accomplished. And what I realized is I've never heard your story. Like, how did you get into loyalty? Because back when we were in school, marketing was all about the four P's and and no one was really talking about the customer. So um, would you mind sharing a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually came out of retail. I um, used to run the advertising department for May Company and did all the advertising production for them. And one of the places that just really intrigued me was just the beginning stages of using data you know, for our direct mail campaigns and catalogs and postcards and all those things. We, we hadn't invented email yet. We just had started doing some web things and it was a really exciting time. And that was really intriguing to me. And so uh, you know, May Company ended up merging with other store companies. And I decided at that time, I didn't wanna go to one of the other store companies I wanted to do my own thing and I wanted to use data as, as the, the, the centerpiece of whatever I did. And I was lucky. I uh, found customer communications group. It was owned by someone else. Um, he was in a situation where he needed to, to kind of exit because of some health concerns with his family. And so at a pretty young age, I was given profit and loss responsibility and, uh, and kind of the keys to the candy store. Really fun. And so I was able to transform what the, the business did at that time, which was predominantly content marketing, which you know back then it was newsletters and magazines and those kinds of things, um, and, and turn it into more of a, a loyalty-enabled agency that, that you know, used and leveraged data um, to, to, to help further our, our clients' objectives. Wow, that's a that's great. I can't believe I never knew that story. But what a wonderful <laughs> opportunity and 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 look what you've done since. So obviously uh, right place, right time and 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 right woman for the job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, today we uh, we're going to talk about trends. There's a, a lot of different things going on in the space as always. 
And uh, you and I had met together and you are part of our upcoming trends piece and you had a lot to, to share and, and a lot of things that you're seeing in the space. So looking forward to uh, diving into some of these trends with you and, and hearing what you're seeing. Um, so to, to start, uh, how has the pandemic impacted how retailers are approaching customer loyalty? It seems like it's really created um, maybe challenges and, and opportunities for them. I think it, it really furthered retailers' omnichannel approach to the business in general and into loyalty specifically. Retailers already knew that they had to adopt new technology to facilitate a seamless experience for their for their customers. But even, you know, two years ago before the pandemic, three years ago before the pandemic, it was still a work in progress. And 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 it continues to this day, honestly. But there were you what you saw were lots of silos. Ecom was different from stores. Um, there was different technology, different types of people running those organizations. And I think you know the silver lining to to the whole pandemic was that it it brought to the forefront ecom and really made all hands on deck in particular. Um, and so the end result, you know, was I think a cultural change at a lot of retail organizations where people re realized you know we both work for the same company. And if one of us does well, we all do well. Uh, so, you know, on the loyalty front, I think it's important you know, to continue to think about um, loyalty from an omnichannel perspective and to, to map out the customer's loyalty journey and pick out where there are places of friction along the way. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, with ever increasing, unfortunately, uh, turnover at, in stores, at our call centers, you know, when was the last time we refreshed the loyalty training materials? When was the last time we you know, pumped up loyalty and, and helped our, our team members understand how important it is to the success of the overall business? Um, it, does the website offer an, an integrated loyalty experience that goes beyond that loyalty microsite that's created? That's kind of the island in the middle of the, of the website. And, you know, are there opportunities for the, the customer to see, you know, what, where their points totals are as they're transacting, as they're adding things to their cart? Do they see, you know, how close they are to their next reward, for instance? Um, and then, you know, also, you know, are there appropriate opportunities to include loyalty in all of the different customer touch points? A lot of times, you know, I'll go into stores and you don't see anything about the program, hardly at all. Or it's one little tiny sign with maybe, you know, a QR code and, and that's it. Um, and, and store associates might not be as, as well versed about the program either. And so you know, making sure that there's signage um, in the store, that there's banners on the website, you know, it really embraces the loyalty program as part of the DNA of the retailer versus an afterthought, I think is, is you know, one place that loyalty marketers need to continue to push. Um, and then, of course, you know, lastly, with, with all of the attention and increased attention on privacy and consent, I think it's time for loyalty programs to shine again. You know, back 30 years ago, the primary reason loyalty programs were created was for that data collection. And that's becoming true again, in particular for those, those retailers who use third-party data. They need an alternative zero-party source, and a loyalty program is a great way to do that. Yeah. I love everything you just said. I, I feel like, as we said already, we've been in this space for so long, but I feel like we finally have our day in the sun because uh, mm -hmm. loyalty is such a great solution to get that first and zero party data. It It's based on consent. So everything that you need to really uh, live within in the privacy rules or laws these days 
Uh, loyalty yeah. just makes can make that so much easier. And then your points on how to connect the dots and have loyalty fully integrated. I, 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 as I think back on that too, I look at the different technologies that uh, the loyalty has been and loyalty was here before e-com. And, and I don't know if that's why loyalty was always kept as a silo, but it certainly makes sense that it could have been. And, and now there's technologies, loyalty technology that is more tech first based and are building um, integrations. So there should be a lot more connectivity across the tech stack that would allow the website to be able to have your points right there with the different products and such, and really being fully integrated into everything that's going on. And even just as simple as um, emails, we get a CRM email and we get a loyalty email. Why aren't they together <laughs> still? <laughs> um, but I, I think we're to a place where um, organizations should be able to, to do some of that now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we sometimes we torture our customers with that redundancy in, in communication. And I always I call that it's a little bit like, you know, putting the lipstick on the poor monkey until it dies. I mean, for, you want them to opt out, keep going. So we have to be careful about those interactions and, and choose them wisely. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. As, as we're thinking about retail and and what and then obviously we're just talking about loyalty program really more specifically. But there's also the the need to connect with customers. So how are you seeing retailers do that? Are are they doing new things in, in how they're connecting? Are, are, and you mentioned frictionless before uh, as well. So wondering if that plays, if, if, if there's something to that as well and how you're communicating with and, and connecting with the customer today. I definitely am seeing a trend where more and more retailers are talking about, you know, how do we develop that emotional connection? Um, you know, a lot of programs traditionally have stopped at that base value proposition. If you spend $200, you get $10 reward. And, and inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you, know, you need a mechanism that's going to prompt customers to consolidate their category purchases with you, um, to present an opportunity cost if they shop at a competitor. So those, those are all good things. But and, and people definitely like the deals. But you have to have meaningful benefits uh, beyond that spend X, get Y program. Um, if you can get someone really engaged with you, they're, they're going to hold up their hand and say, I'm a member. And in order to get that, you have to, to really know what's important to them and be relevant to them. I, I would suggest that there's three strategies to do that. And there's probably more, but the three that, that, that come to mind right now are uh, you know, obviously personalization is one key to getting someone to emotionally connect with you because you're 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 showing them that you understand who they are and you're and you're presenting relevant um, communication to them. Uh, I, I would suggest that we, we need to start thinking about micro benefits. You know, these could be bit, little tiny benefits that go to a small segment or even one on one. Um, and I think that, you know, from a trend perspective, AI will, as it matures, is going to enable us to do that. It's amazing what, where we are already right now, where, gosh, back in the olden days when, when I uh, was, a, was managing a database for a retailer, it, it would take days to, to segment a customer um, or segment your customer base. And now it, it literally takes, it's in real time. It happens instantly. Mm -hmm. um, and it it's amazing just, you know, how you can do that on an ongoing basis to continue to be relevant. And I think that as AI matures and we, we begin to see that, you know, packaged into the technology stack that we have, 
we're going to be able to, to make more relevant benefits, offers, uh, messages at scale um, that no human would ever have been able to do um, that, that's going to really change loyalty. Of course, we, we, we're still going to need people to support that. And uh, th those machines need somebody to, to, to do it. They are, they're, gonna, they're not going to run on their own, but the right people with the right technology is going to be a powerful combination. Yeah. Uh, I'd also add you know, just easy things like surprise and delight benefits, tried and true. We've been doing them for years. Are, they're some of the most uh, important techniques and powerful techniques that we can and build um, emotional connection into our loyalty program. Um, and then last, you know, mem members are naturally more likely to be loyal to people versus companies. So let's use the power of people. Um, recognition is huge. And you, we want to empower our store associates, uh, our, our other customer facing employees, create um, handling procedures for different kinds of customers uh, you know, and, and recognize them as VIPs. Uh, a great example of that was a retailer that, that we worked with some time ago that did um, home decoration, um, home furnishings. And they they realized they had customers who literally changed their home with the season. I don't understand that because, you know, I can barely get what I have going on now. Um, and they, they spent $20,000 a year with this particular retailer. So super important. It was, you know, the top, top not even 1%. It was a scintilla of that. Uh, but there are about a thousand of those types of customers. And so what was done was a handling procedure was, was created around sending out a mailing that came from the CEO and it thanked them, you know, for personally for being, you know, a best customer and invited them into the store to receive a complimentary gift. And the store associates were trained with this handling procedure that when they, that person came in, that they were to go back to and get the, the store manager. Um, and the store manager came out and said, you know, thank you for being one of our best customers. Here's my business card. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you know, your work. Uh, you're, you're coming to us. And, uh, you know, here are your your candles, which, of course, you know, candles are wick and wax. They, they cost, what, 25 cents to make maybe? I don't know. Um, but that handling procedure just wrapped that up and made it warm and that created that instant emotional connection for the customer. But it also gave eyes on for that store manager for some of these important customers that you know might have been flying a bit under the radar, especially if they were going to multiple stores and using multiple channels. So it's a cool story that definitely exemplifies that surprise and delight along with that recognition. Well, and personalization too. I mean, I was as you were telling as you went through all three of these. I was like, I wanted to, I was thinking, oh, well, let me dig into each one of these is, is once you're done, but they really build on each other. So you, the personalization into how do you reward in a really you know, more meaningful, specific way, and then the recognition. And, and I love the human aspect of it. Um, I, I got invited to an Eman Marcus VIP program and they did a really cool job of surveying me up front and, and collecting all this information for, unfortunately they're doing I don't know, a great job on personalizing right now, but they did align me with a person, I think, <laughs> but it feels like a person who is sending mm -hmm. me emails on a regular basis and in theory curating content based on, on my survey responses. I think they, I think they've got some work to do, but, but conceptually just this person who keeps popping up with a name in my inbox versus the Neiman Marcus branded emails 
just begins has begun to make it feel a lot more personal, a lot more emotional, connected to Jen versus Nima Marcus, which um, I think there's ways you you could try to boil the ocean and do everything that they're trying to do and and, and hopefully do it well, or you could take some of these um, maybe baby steps into into it as well by. Um, with some of the things that you were talking about, you know, the, a yeah. letter from the CEO that makes you, you've got a person now that you realize is behind the brand, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Really, really neat. And I really love the uh, my, micro benefits. I haven't heard it um, stated like that, but I think that that's really important too. We've seen different stats on how um, just if, if somebody is able to this is more around redemption, but if somebody redeems within what the first like 60 days of joining a program, they're going to ultimately spend like 10 times more or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think just being able to get some kind of recognition or some kind of micro benefit, a, a special gift or something that makes you feel special in that early period of that relationship yeah. goes, goes a long way as well. That's, um, that's true. It, it's, I, I call that patterning. You know, you want to get them closer to that reward as soon as you can. So that's why a lot of people do bonus points when you, when you join and then starting the program off with a warm note with some kind of something, you know, a little free gift or a little free service or something extra that just gets them, you know, kind of excited about the program. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. And I think that, I mean, yeah, where the technology is today, you should be able to to do some of these things now, yeah. Um, yeah. which probably leads to the, the next question. I mean, what are you seeing as some of the hurdles? Because it's easy to talk about these things, but we're still, unfortunately, we still have an inbox full of things that aren't very personal. Um, so, yeah. so what are you, what are you seeing as the, the challenges that the retailers are facing right now in order to um, you know, get more personal? Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, having sat on the retail side, you, you have to understand to be sensitive to the fact that you know, technology costs, it's a capital expense of some sort oftentimes, or it's, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to that and nothing happens overnight. Um, but that said, you know, I think one of the biggest things that, that retailers are trying to keep up with is, is customer expectations. Um, the, the basics of loyalty hasn't changed. The goal's always been to gauge the customer and, and meet or exceed their expectations um, and do that, you know, better than your competitor. Um, but now we're seeing that customer expectations are not only changing dramatically, they're changing rapidly, evolving rapidly, just as I think as the rate of technological changes continue to accelerate uh, making me feel quite old, by the way. Uh, so, you know, before we used to compare ourselves to close competitors um, and what are they doing? Now it's really about, you know, what's the customer experience out out in the wild with other brands, not necessarily even retailers, with other organizations. You know, if, if a customer can get a real time alert when her package is three stops away from Amazon, she's going to start to believe that that's what she sh should get from her loyalty program. Right. Yeah. They've raised the bar. Uh, I, I think the other thing is you know, in that same vein is customers want more control. Um, it, it's, it's a little bit of a different expectation, but historically with loyalty programs, they've been very rigid. They're obviously evolving away from that. And I think that trend is going to continue. Uh, you know, think back to in the day where you know, you, had, you got your quarterly reward statement mailed to you with your you know, little piece of paper, or whatever it was. That's, those days are gone. And you know, now she's you know, wanting to, to spend that reward or her points on things that she wants. She wants to spend it in her own time. 
And you know, that doesn't mean that you don't have thresholds, you know, for you have to earn a certain number of points in order to be able to to begin to think about spending those rewards. Because obviously at the end of the day, we're trying to drive incremental visits. You know, we have to drive that sales and traffic. So you got to have something mechanized there. But to the extent where you can provide more flexibility to customers, I think you're going to win. Um, and then also, you know, what they can they can spend their rewards on. You know, maybe it's that monetary reward, but maybe it's other things too. Uh, I think the, the customer loves choices. Uh, there's a colleague in my in my office that loves Chick fil A um, Chick fil A's program, which I think it's Chick fil A One. And she she likes the fact that she can spend that reward whenever she wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omaha Steaks has a, a great program called Steak Lover Rewards, where members can choose to spend the rewards on or their their points on any of the list of a long list of different product rewards, from the chocolate lava cake all the way down to filet mignon. And you can decide to you know this this is a program I'm into. You know, use up your use your rewards and and bank them until you get to the reward you really want. Those are, you know, I think, exciting ways for, for customers to feel like they're in control and that they're engaging in the program in a more active way. Yeah, interesting. And and part of and then you so one of the things you were talking about um, too is is are there ways to be more self service? So as we're thinking about how what maybe hurdles potentially with retailers, so they've got all of this tech now. Is it all talking to each other? And then are they able to add in some bells and whistles to be allow a customer to be self-service? Now we all, I think there's the point of like self-serve grocery checkout, which just because it, it can exist, I'm not sure that it should, um, but, but other, other ways that a, can, a customer can go in and self-service, I think is, is really key. So to your point, you can, um, the Omaha Steaks example, it's all right there. You make your choice. No one's forcing you you to um, to, to make a choice. Like some programs have uh, redemption. Uh, you can only earn for a year and then redeem within a certain period of time, which is very limiting. If you but giving people that choice and giving them those the options, then they can do more on their own. Is yeah. That kind yeah. Of- yeah, and I think you know being thoughtful about your terms and conditions. You know, everybody loves terms and conditions, and you know, our, our attorneys get a hold of them and they really make them tight. And I think you want you want to pick you know the things that you're going to really hold hold to be, for a good business reason, and then let go some of the things that are just well, everybody else is doing it that way, so we're doing it that way. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so as we continue to think about like what's out there and. Because we think people are really ready to to go and and to again with some of the evolutions they've had in their technology, uh, I, I think the um, you know the kind of the cuffs are off, and I think people can actually do a lot more maybe than they have done in the past. And and so just kind of curious what you're seeing, and as you're coaching clients, you know what what other things should they be thinking about? What other trends are you seeing or, or even predictions of where they should be going potentially? What, what do you, what do you see is that, that, that dream? <laughs> where, where can they go? Yeah. Well, I think one place we're seeing is uh, companies and, you know, by, by default, their loyalty programs are becoming more socially aware and responsible. Uh, and they're more apt to let you know, um, you know what they're doing in that that arena. 
um, and offering ways to facilitate the customer's social responsibility through their loyalty program. Uh, for example, letting customers use points um, or dedicate, you know, donate their points to charity. You know, you've seen that with air, airlines, you know, for a long time where you can donate your miles to a charity. Um, you see promoting or creating a promotion where if you make a purchase during a certain period, a percentage of profits will go to a particular cause. Um, Customer.com fields an annual loyalty study, and it, its purpose is to identify those factors that are going to drive loyalty, even if product, price, and access are identical. And interestingly, in 2022, we found that feel the, the retailer is socially, socially responsible um, was important to a widening range of age groups, not just millennials. Um, it was also important to different shopping personality types, those that like to find a retailer that that fills, fulfills particular needs and just stick with them, all the way to those folks that love to shop around before they actually make a purchase. Uh, that said, including a loyalty benefit that facilitates social responsibility in some fashion isn't necessarily going to be a huge revenue driver. And so I think we have to get that out of our heads. Yeah. Um, and other research work that we've done, usually when we ask, you know, re retail consumers, you know, what's the top 10 plus benefits that are going to really drive you to shop more frequently or shop, spend more, um, those social aspects, social responsibility aspect benefits don't even make the top 20. And, and what we find in practice on the other end is a lot of times customers aren't as engaged with those types of benefits. That all said, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do them. Uh, I think they're, they can be great brand builders, but you have to make sure that they're on brand and that you know being associated with a particular uh, cause X is, makes a lot of sense in a credible way to retailer Y. You know, it makes sense for their brand. It amplifies their brand, for instance. Mm. Uh, those are really important. Uh, yeah, I think that too. I I think the the brand like walking the walk and talking the talk, but but from a redemption option in a program, it doesn't seem like we have the charity you go for, you know add it into any program. When we look at our you know hundred plus clients or so, only a handful are actually offering it, and and the redemptions are really low. So people yeah. don't necessarily want to spend their reward that way. But they will make their, I think to your point, they will make their purchase choice based on, on what the organization is doing. Yeah, I think, you know, customers, or we, we're monsters. We want to keep our points because we earn them. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it, you're right, Erin. It begs the, the question, well, what else can we do to facilitate social responsibility in our loyalty program? Are there other things that we can do? Um, I was going to also mention, um, I don't know if you saw it, the research that RSR Research just published around sustainability. And it was fascinating to me because it really showed a disconnect between what retailers think customers want and what they actually want. Um, for retailers, it's, you know, it's all about ethical sourcing practices and they, they kind of put that out there. But to consumers, it's about the product's potential lifespan. Um, how and what you know what what it's made from. What are the potential health impacts to my to my my family and myself? So I found it interesting that that retailers perhaps assumed the, um, what they thought consumers wanted was around a worthy cause like sustainability was they were way off. Um, demonstrating once again, you really got to talk to customers. You got to really understand you know where they're coming from. 
Yeah, well, it's, it, it makes sense um, when you when you when you make it personal, when it comes down to who you are, making sure that that's happening. We are um, we're in conversations with an organization that has a technology that can track where if it's a plastic bottle water, let's say, where did that where did all the um, you know, the product come from? So the where did the plastic or whatever makes up plastic come from the cap, the paper on it, ever anything. And you can actually like hit like take a picture of a, um, a QR code, and it'll give you the whole history of where it came from, which is it's very interesting. Um, and and obviously, I think the goal is to have it all be very sustainable um, products that are being used. But uh, is that going to make somebody pay more for that item, or it's it's interesting how much you know, knowledge and, and such is going to be you know, coming out of that? We'll, we'll yeah. We'll see. I think to your point on the sustainability, I think there's a, a lot for us to learn, but at least everybody seems like it's aware today. So how, where, where is it going to go and, and what are the opportunities? Um, yeah. Yeah. It seems absolutely. pretty at this point. Yeah. Other things that you're seeing? Um, I think just in general, uh, you know, a lot more wanting to use the data that they're harvesting and, and trying to find new and creative ways to do that. Um, and, and how do we fit that into our traditional thought process around planning promotions? And this year, you know, comp sales need to be, or this year's sales need to be comp to last year. You know, there, there's all these kind of historic tensions. Um, but yet, you know, when, when there's opportunities arising, sometimes retailers aren't as flexible as they need to be. And I think that they're looking for tools that help them be a lot more flexible um, and, and being able to react to market opportunities. Yeah, and I think too, even um, you had talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, your customers in a variety of different places today. So there's ecom, there's your stores, but there's social, and and there's other places, and and now even you some people's products are in other store locations, and mm-hmm. so being being able to truly understand where your customer is. And trying to be where they are, I yeah. think, is, is something interesting. And I think we're going to continue to see more evolution on on that. And and then how are you communicating and or helping to facilitate the purchase that way too, especially in social media. So if you're on TikTok or Instagram and, and things like that, like how, how are you you connecting those dots and and not losing that attention? So if someone sees a great like it's clothes, great outfit. How do how do you you bring that closer to allowing them to you know one click purchase type of thing? Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I find that the whole concept of partnership so so interesting, especially as it relates to to loyalty programs. And it, I don't think every retailer is set up to to partner with others within their loyalty program. It needs to make sense. Um, but you know, Cole's having Sephora and. and oh. um, that's that's kind of cool like um alta inside of target right yeah Um, how so how does that intersect with your loyalty program you just get points on both or how does that going to work so the interesting partnerships that i think serve the customer in a great way but does it serve it all the way through to the end on on the loyalty side of it as well well and i think it's loyalty slash customer experience so if you're buying it through somebody else is that is that same retailer is that retailer going to offer a similar experience or is it much more um, transactional at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting too. Um, one thing, and 
I, I hope I don't put you on the spot with this, but you mentioned your research and you said um, you were talking about benefits to make people you want to shop more. And, and you were talking about that in uh, reference to sustainability, but curious what else is on that list? Oh. <laughs> if, you, if you could share a couple you know, more of those things. The type of retailer, of course, and what makes sense for them. But at, I know you're going to be shocked by this, but free shipping or discounted shipping is always way at the top of the list for most retailers. Well, because as it, you could, like your point earlier, I mean, uh, Amazon gives it to everybody, so everybody expects yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, things like VIP experiences, you know, usually make the top make 10. Make me feel special. Yeah. Make me feel special. Um, you see a lot, you know, around just not wanting it to only be transactional. I think we make the mistake of always thinking that, you know, customers, if you ask them what they want, they're going to say they want a hundred percent discount <laughs> and uh, who wouldn't want that. But, you know, they, they also want to, to feel special when, when they're in and if they, they shop with you frequently, they want, they want to be recognized for that. So it gets back to that recognition piece too. A lot of recognition um, elements in the, the top benefits uh, on that list. Yeah, that actually, that is something you brought up earlier that um, we didn't really talk about a whole lot. Um, I, I think I tend to preach a lot about recognition because I think people, when we have conversations with clients or just even in general, it's rewards, 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 even internally, like, okay, well, you're going to earn and then you're going to get reward. And I keep pushing, like, recognition can go such a long way. It's, wow. you, do, do you know I'm out here? <laughs> You know, yeah. know who I am. And I think that that obviously ties to personalization, but I think that true recognition um, is, is something that I would think would be easier for brands to be able to do than some of the other things that we're talking about. But yet I think we, when, when people put their loyalty hat on, they tend to forget that recognition is, is a really big piece of, of what's uh, of motivation. And it's, as I say, you know, cheap and cheerful. <laughs> Generally, it doesn't cost you anything to, to, to do it. We had a, a department store company uh, that sent a thank you note, just a note. There was no discount offer or anything like that from, from it, it was a family run business, big department store company. Um, and sales increased for a sustained six week period after that. It was so crazy in the test and control that the analyst literally slept with the results under her pillow because she's like, she couldn't believe it. She said, I had to go back through it again and again, prove it was wrong, but it's not. And obviously, you know, your results may, <laughs> may differ yeah. on who you are, but it's, it was just amazing with this particular retailer who did a lot, done a lot of work in building the brand and building that family feel that, you know, getting a note from one of the, the family members that's whose name was on the, the, the masthead, um, you know, made it made a big difference to customers. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's so much opportunity for that too. And tying the VIP to the um, recognition and being able to, I mean, I think that loyalty, we have a tendency to stop short with what can be. And yeah. here you have these best customers, you know who they are. You're planning for next year and years ahead why not include them? Why not be tapping them? What would you like to see from a merchandising perspective or a store experience perspective? Oh, yeah. Now, people may not, you know, they may dream crazy things, but it seems like there's there's a lot of opportunity that way too. And and kind of almost like your own customer advisory panel or something, it seems could yeah. be really um, something that could really create some amazing advocates, but then also really help grow the business too. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I love customer advisory panels because I feel like it, it gives you an ongoing way to keep the pulse on your customer, know, know what, what at least a good group, a representative group are thinking. And I think it keeps us honest because I'm, I cannot believe I'm going to tell you this, but customers don't think about our loyalty programs all the time. <laughs> it's not the center of their world. <laughs> But uh, so, you know, being able to to be relevant to them because you're doing things like customer panels and research and all those things, I think is so important. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's so funny. I was talking to um, Brendan Witcher over at Forrester about personalization and he, he made a very obviously like, kind of a duh comment. It was like, if people are doing personalization really well, you're not even going to notice. So that could, that could be our loyalty goal. If we integrate really well throughout, they're not even going to notice. They're just going to be participating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there's some truth in that. <laughs> there's a goal, uh, as we dare to dream. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've been really enjoyed this conversation. Lots of great insight. Uh, any parting thoughts, um, advice for for brands that are looking, to, looking at their loyalty and going, okay, been doing this for a long time. What's next? What do I do? Where do I start if I want to start to take in some of these trends or revamp a little bit? What kind of guidance would you give? I think, you know, one, one of the best places that we get some of our best ideas for how to improve a loyalty program, how to, you know, benefits that maybe no one had ever thought of, talk to your customer facing people. Uh, they, they have the best ideas, hands down. Um, and so I always ask store managers when we do interviews, you know, what, what are some things you'd like to do for customers that you haven't been able to because of lack of resource or not enough time or, or you just don't think you could do it for everybody, but maybe you could do it for a small segment. And I get amazing ideas. And so, you know, if they don't hire an outside company like CCG, then at least ask your store managers those types of questions and other customer facing people, your CSRs, et cetera. They're, they're oftentimes an untapped wealth of information about what the customer is really like and what they really want. That, that's a, that's great advice. It's, and it's easy. Everyone can do it. <laughs> Cheap and cheerful idea. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to use that. Cheap and cheerful. <laughs> well, this has been a, a true joy, Sandra. Thank you so much. Uh, do you want to let the audience know where they can uh, reach out to you if they have any questions or want to continue a conversation with you? Sure. Our website is customer.com. And they're always welcome to email me directly at Sandra at customer.com. And uh, yeah, we lots of resources on the website. If they, if they want to read blogs or white papers, all those kinds of things, we, we do try to do a great job of presenting educative content for loyalty marketers that are anywhere on the spectrum of, of maturity in, in, as they, uh, in their careers. I can attest. You do a great job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Erin. Good to see you. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Get Personal with Loyalty. Join us next time for more loyalty insights. Until then, dare to dream. Let Annex Cloud help make your dreams a reality. Visit AnnexCloud.com. See you soon.